0: Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 216 with Elijah Parker, Fractal Doors. Join the team as we get to know Elijah, a holographic media consultant, gene key oracle deck creator and world traveler who is ready to take the masses through fractal doors into the new eon, Capricorn Win. Welcome and well met. Thank
1: you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, dude. Thanks for coming on. So uh, something we do at the beginning of these episodes is correlate the number numerologically to the Major Arcana Tarot. Um, this is going to be actually a nine, which is normally the Hermit card. Uh, but in this deck, which is David D'Angelo's Starman Tarot deck, he's been on a few times. Shout out, David. Uh It's the Alien. I bring back knowledge from distant places. The Alien, or traditionally, like I said, the Hermit card, is about knowing your worth. You are perfect the way you are. Be free. Seek answers within you. Go deeper and understand more of the universe. Take the time to do something you've never done before. Raphael, what card do you have?
0: We have the Angel of Fertility, number 30, belonging to the Dominions. This angel helps people who are desperate to have more patience, dominates protection of the animal kingdom, and influences the perpetuation of species and breeds, influences chemists, physicians, and surgeons. It is, how could it be any different, the patient God, belonging to the Six of Wands, and the affirmation is... I recognize that my position is always stronger than I think. Qualities, amongst others, are multiplication, materialization, energizer, and living antidepressant.
1: So, Elijah, out of the uh, hermit card and or the alien card in this case, and that angel, did anything resonate for you?
2: Absolutely. I mean. I think if you're on the rabbit hole, then there must be some part of alien nature within us. But this particular archetype calling us for
1: knowledge from different places. Makes total sense. And uh, it's funny because um, you worked with Richard Rudd a lot and he's a Virgo stellium. That's the Virgo card, the Hermit card. So I thought it was kind of funny that popped. So um, somehow I, I see how I became aware of you. Um, I got all these gene key (laughs) books and started going down that rabbit hole with my fiance at some point, uh, which uh, Raphael himself is aware of before I was, although I don't know how, um, you know, deep he's gone into it particularly. Um, But I've been doing this for a while. And as soon as I saw that you had a deck, I was like, well, that will help me randomize. And, you know, instead of just like making it, I I guess I could have taken no cards and, you know, written one through 64, but I saw your cards, thought they looked spiffy. Um, I like the shape and everything, and I was like, oh, I got to get these. And we've actually, so I've got your product, which is dope, and I use it every day, so thanks for that. Um, and we've had Gemini Brett on a few times, whom you know, I think, and he was like, oh, this is a guy you have to get on. Elijah Parker's dope. You guys will get along great. they will have him on. So that's kind of how I became aware of you. Uh, we've been kind of kicking around the can to get you on here for a while, but here we is. So uh, how are you doing?
2: Very good, It's so good. You know, really hear all the magic you bring on this channel, and and to see the synthesis deck out there, it's uh, it's good to see all the connections.
1: I know, and it, like I said, it's really a uh, spiffy deck. I mean, that's a weird word, but it's like it looks cool. It's got a lot of info on it. Uh, it does do what it says. It helps synthesize all these gene keys in a way that, um, well, for me, it helps me. Uh, you know, my fiance, I'm like, okay, tell me when, <laughs> and she picks a card, and they're like, oh, we'll read that gene key. And more often than not, it's very resonant, um, and it helps me kind of orient that way because it's a sea. It's not that many, 64, um, you know, jinkies, but it's a sea of options, and I didn't really think of a way to do it. So when I saw your product, I was like, that's perfect, and I'm glad I could support you that way. So um, I'm kind of curious how you know Gemini Britt and Richard Rudd. If you want to start there, we can, but I do want to kind of get your history. I'm looking at your chart and stuff. Um, which I can get into at other points. Uh, and you were saying you were born in Dallas, so clearly I think you're in the Pacific Northwest now. I'd love to know your kind of sojourn from, you know, the land of, um, the Alamo up to the Pacific Northwest. So, uh, whichever you kind of want to start with, I, uh, uh, either your kind of associations and how you've met those two and we can get more into them later, or if you'd rather, um, talk about kind of the culture you grew up with, uh, and maybe the, you know, how you turned from probably not a highly magical culture in the dallas area fort worth area to where you are now totally
2: i was lucky actually you know even growing up in texas my parents taught me tarot uh, some of my earliest memories are drawing tarot cards and and literally like sketching them uh with them um, the ace of cups
1: that's dope so they want to ask like, you just core...
0: because oh, go ahead and that. to briefly like jump in here what was because i just recently realized it again and for me it's a very maybe funny story. But do you remember you just said this, you have early childhood memories of coming in contact, when is the very first time that you could now reconstruct you actually saw like a card and in what context and how I'll also share my story because I think it's funny afterwards.
2: Awesome. You know, it was, i want to say five, holding a Raider white, just beautiful, the gilded edges. I don't know if you've seen that. It
0: Your finger may be slipping because you're cutting off.
2: Oh, sorry about that. No, you're not. Cool. Uh, a, a gilded uh Raider White deck when maybe I was five, and it was in a strand of cigarette container. <laughs> and so it was just the most dirty, rough-and-tumble Texas kind
0: You may have slipped again through. Now. Oh, no. Yeah,
2: I'm... Uh magic flow through and and uh so the ace of cups is the first card that i I very vividly remember, and I was told at that moment that my card was the page of cups at that time and and I really appreciated this flowing energy out of what I kind of considered the dirty the dirty dark side of texas It's
1: funny because you do have a north node in Pisces, so I don't know how much you resonate with ace of cups and page of cups, but I imagine. Uh, With a fifth house, your heart is very mystical. Like you love magic, you love woo, you love dreaming, you love, you know, that kind of like a hyper synthesis of uh, kind of um, multiple dimensionalities. So, Raphael, what's your story?
0: So, just for you guys, it's shared in the chat if you can see it. In my case, I believe I was probably not older than four, maybe even just three years old. And there was this role playing game in the early 90s called legend of Karandia, the hand of fate and uh, i actually only played the second episode and never got further than the first section which is Darkmoor swamp because it's like a puzzle game it was in english and you're supposed to really understand what's happening and then actually alchemically you know throw together you know herbs but also at some point like an anchor and different items and anyhow on the front cover of the cd i guess is as you can see here the wheel of fortune and the devil in this i guess old italian style uh, tarot deck and that was i guess the first time i consciously like saw something like that and i just remember that i was immediately fascinated because these kind of pictures you know it's just something different than modern art let's say
1: that's what's up i'm trying to think when i turn up tarot i don't it was more recent. I think I've always been peripherally aware of it. Like, you know, seeing it on The Simpsons or something like that. Like TV. Like, it was a kind of an occult thing. People have been like, oh, don't fuck with that. That Ouija board to like the devil. Uh, and then, basically, back in 2013, I want to say. Um, I started... This is before I um, started doing a bunch of LSD weekly and just waking up in a hard way. Um, before Team Rabbit Hole was even a thing, particularly. Uh, I was... I had gone through this crazy breakup, and um, with a Virgo, hermit girl, ironically, um, and my fiance is a Virgo, so Virgos tend to chase me down. Uh, anyway, I'd gone through this horrible breakup, and I ended up—I was 28 at the time, and this girl I was seeing was 18, which was like crazy to me. And I was like, "This is—I don't know how right I feel about this or whatever." But um, we would like hooked up for, like a week or two. And then during pillow talk or something, I was like, oh, I'm getting into astrology and all this stuff because I had started just turning on to that kind of stuff more seriously. Um, and she was like, oh, cool, uh, blah, blah, blah. And like three or four months later, she hit me up and I was like, oh, God, I hope she's not pregnant or something. But she was like, I'm actually kind of over uh, you know, esoteric occultism or, or whatever, and I'm going to get rid of all my books and cards. Do you want my stuff? So she gave me this huge box of stuff, and the inside of it was my first tarot deck, which was the zombie tarot deck. It was like unopened, and I was like, oh, this is kitschy. This is weird. And I used that for a long time. I actually left in Australia, but, um, yeah. So I was probably probably aware of it, but that's, you know, not until terribly recently did I get my hands deeply involved. So enough about me, though. Elijah, um, it sounds like you're, I mean, my dad went to Baylor. I have family in Dallas. Um. Sure it doesn't sound like you guys are doing the t- uh, typical kind of texan deep in the heart of texas kind of uh song and dance so what was the culture i mean it seems like they're pretty open-minded potentially uh tell us about your growing up
2: yeah it was great to see that uh, image of a role-playing game because luckily i did have D and role-playing games and magic books and uh you know, later found out that my father was an ot oto member and so it's it's kind of this funny like hidden magic inside of texas but still the culture was you know what it is and you, you find magical people who really want to speak from their hearts and be good humans together that's all around and i was really lucky really good people and uh and just enjoy living magic but i kind of was the outsider the uh, the alien hermit card in a way and uh so I, i've I eventually left Texas and went up to the Northwest on something called the High Frequency Tour, where literally we were looking for kind of like an open mic for people to share their highest vision with the world. And uh, so we went out and met a lot of really interesting people all across the Northwest. And that is how I stumbled on One Door. One Door Land is is a place here in Portland, Oregon, where I actually live now, and the amazing Bina Zing, who kind of called me into this world. So very uh, down the rabbit hole for me, meeting a bunch of artists and musicians and people who were living this magic, life as art. And so it became my ground, my hatching grounds to really channel all of my magic and my art. And uh, we created this uh, make love to the mystery school and invite. Gemini Brett because he was one of those living, practicing wild, wild magic hermits as well, and uh, and we started to play, and that's kind of a central pillar. A central pillar. Of what brought me here was playing with this living magic, like all the way from D and D, not just being a metaphor, right? It's it's a living, living mythos of living into my mythos and actually activating these magical principles in my everyday life and so that's kind of a little bit of my travel from texas here to
1: here to the northwest succinct i don't know uh you need to turn on i mean i'm uh, hearing the struggle that is of this app for you um sometimes my thumb fucks up i'm trying to think how i could may also be
0: the connection in this case actually
1: i'm not exactly sure i don't know but i feel like uh i'm like oh my heart's with you because um it may be turning off your if it's like a battery thing or other apps i'm not sure maybe your thumb's slipping who knows i have an old phone where it used to do kind of that situation and rafael'd be like you were talking and i'm like oh shit so you'll get used to it but i i'm like damn <laughs> something's not a 100 percent for sure i'm looking at your chart you got a sun and mercury in third house uh though you're a capricorn your mercury and uh and aquarius um you have a moon in 11th house. I mean, you got a lot of Aquarian energy, so it's not terribly surprising that you're all about like magical engineering, storytelling. Um, like you're talking about myth making and myth embodying. Um, so kind of walk me through. I mean, you did DD. I, I've only done one campaign ever while I was in Australia last year. This time, uh, fascinating sociologically. I mean, I was in this kind of like game, you know, shop thing and a bunch of kids, you know, at various tables were doing different campaigns. It was loud as fuck and some dramatic kids also you know the guy ironically virgo card hermit card was a virgo who is my dungeon master he was so astute about it that i was just like i don't think i was high <laughs> i think i was sober but it felt <laughs> like i was high i was just sitting there like this is a, not only i mean i've played like final fantasy 7 and like video games rpgs and stuff but i'd never done tabletop and it was just like this is i could like why aren't, <laughs> if you first of all the first thought that came to mind was like wow this is a lot of energy being put into this it's almost like an agri kind of situation it's like whoa these people are taking this seriously kind of like how people take religion and you know culture generally seriously and then it also made me wonder like why aren't we like designing the best shit ever instead of everyone kind of doing their own thing which is kind of a weird a way to put it but anyway tell me a little about some of the uh campaigns you might have done as a kid and stuff how'd you get turned on to that whole world
2: I'm you know, very hermit, I did most of my Ding alone because it wasn't something that was as nerd chic as it is now where you're allowed to to have loved this kind of art form. I get
1: swirlies about it, you were afraid or something. Yeah.
2: Ironically now, I um I actually re picked it up uh a year ago with so with some of my close friends and we utilize it as a dream language tool because it, it, you're you're reliving sometimes in our day-to-day reality, we don't always have a place to actually mark down what our character, our mythos is going through. And so the Gene Keys for me has been a, a game. I call it a game of life. I live it as a game of life. Astrology, all these incredible tools, they point me to this mythos that I am. And so ironically, I started a campaign very close to the Gene Keys. It's called... Uh, you know, it's called these dragons and dreamers instead of dungeons and dragons. And we literally are seeking these 64 keys of power that have been stripped from the initial one door and given out to the world where there, these gifts are hidden inside shadows. And that's the core teachings of the gene keys right is that every challenge has a gift inside it has a creative impulse inside it and so whether it's a slightly more fantasy driven uh you know using fireballs and and wave staff or it's in my everyday relationships the keys are actually the same and that's why i love magical wisdom is referencing that in this reality and in all realities, it's the merger of an, an intelligent system that's showing us, pointing us deeper into ourselves. So for me, the game of life has extended through d of course, like literal video games and, and tabletop games. But also for years, I've just lived knowing that this game is my great phoenix labyrinth, as I call it, this eternal step by step spiraling back home and uh, seeing that all the characters I meet, like Gemini Brett, he's a high level bard, right? He's a high level uh, a, uh, spiritual and uh, astronomical wizard and you can, you can call on these characters inside a normal situation, like sometimes I you know, reach into my heart and call on Gemini Brett's wisdom and his moon game in an everyday situation, just like I'd
1: call on a spell inside my, my tabletop game. That shit was profound. I mean, uh, straight up, like, it seems like you're, uh, it's funny because the spirit of a Gemini is to be this trickster playfulness, and you've got enough of that energy in your mind, like how your Mercury operates your mind, and your sun, that you're like, you're willing, like you're saying, to make life, a i mean, it is a game in a metaphorical sense, but it seems like you're kind of programming it more consciously, using elements that you would prefer, as opposed to like. You know, I'm gonna. I mean, not that you don't use money, but it's like I'm not gonna just chase these dollars for that princess or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's a little. Everyone's playing games, uh, but it seems like you're kicking into right. much more the never-ending story kind of element of it, uh, where it kind of as above, so belowing. Um, before I totally lose my train of thought, having a grand. Uh, you said a step, or uh, not a stepfather, grand. Uh, what was it? Um, it was my like, godfather. Actually. Yeah, one one I was my, like, yeah, yeah. Godfather. I was like, Harry Potter's fucking godfather. <laughs> I was thinking of serious. Um, he was in the OTO. Did that rub off at all? Was that like super on the DL or is that something they were like, up to?
2: It was definitely on the DL and uh, you know, and I I, I it, it wasn't something super deep for him like on the traditional inside the organization specifically, but I was surrounded by these tomes when I was growing up. And he was actually the one that introduced me to D D and to video games and things like that. And what I think it provided was an awareness that you know i have a line 5 in my golden path sq that this this teacher mentor energy wanted to make sure that my soul knew that it was a part of a lineage of magic and not specifically oto that's that's not my lineage this lifetime but but a a understanding that we are connected to beings who have worked hard to preserve magical wisdom and so you know from maybe a literal this world organizational standpoint he was a low-level acolyte kind of thing that was probably just a nerd who loved kabbalistic tomes but in a larger context what it actually was for me is a, a the hermit the preserver of wisdom this helping me to seek the answers within and knowing that we're connected to a lineage of archetypal wisdom that is available for us to meet the higher angels inside ourselves so I think that's how it really influenced me as a kid was not, not so much the, I, I've loved meeting a lot of profound magi of different sects, uh, but I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not connected to a single one in a lot of ways, even, even though I'm deeply involved in the, the gene keys, it's, it's not actually a cult. I just like to be a part of many cults in a way. Uh, yeah.
1: Not surprising. Like I said, third house son Capricorn, you're like, I want to play with the world and many worlds within the world as, as such um so it's kind of funny because you said like your godfather was like maybe a geek just hanging out with these people or whatever it's like that's what c.s lewis and tolkien were i mean they were just like dudes being like <laughs> yo let's just you know it's not like they were norsemen warriors or you know what i mean they were like let's just play with the ideas and see where it goes i just finished reading all the harry potter books my fiance, and now we're reading them I've read them before, but the Narnia series, I don't think she's ever read Lord of the Rings. I'm going to get her into that. It's a weird trip because she's in England and I'm over here uh, in the States. So it's like, well, we'll do what we can with the time, you know, like the lockdown and all this. But anyway, um, so what we're, I mean, we so I mean, do with what you can with what you got, you know, it's like, okay, well, we'll make it work. So, um, were you into Lord of the Rings and Narnia and all this kind of stuff? I mean, it sounds oh, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, it sounds like you're more kind of with the fantasy stuff. And even though you were doing a solo, were you writing your own stories? Because you have a very kind of poetic, flowy, um, juicy magic about you. So I'm wondering how that might, like what inspired you the most as a kid or a young adult, or even now? That's a great question.
2: You know, now looking back, absolutely. I was writing a lot and, at the time, like I said, the, with role-playing games, there wasn't someone in person that I was playing with. And so I actually found message board forums when I was really young. And the way they play online in those days, like now we have, for all those people who do play now, you have like Roll20 and all these amazing Skype and Zoom and all these things. But back in the day, it's just message board forums. So it really was just co-writing stories with people across time and space and uh, especially now that I'm in this rabbit hole vortex, I'm seeing, oh, wow, that's also where I really re-picked up tarot from my own volition, not just like being passed down. But I actually met an amazing man named Pastor who started an eco village in Canada, and he was teaching me tarot online. And so it was just this profound, like written word as a poetic access point into telling a story together and and I think that's what we need so much right now on the planet is there's so much division and, you know, conflict that's coming up. And when we remember that we get to be the author of this story together, it excites me. And so I think that the the language as a solo kid was a powerful way to, like, just practice and play and be in my imaginative mind and, and learn to put them into words. And then now I'm saying, like, oh, we... How can we actually share these stories? Because we all are the heroes of our own myth, right? And and actually, you know, bring those stories alive is is what
1: inspires me now. That's what's up. So um I know you've read the Jinkies enough to probably realize how often Richard uses the word paradox, which is probably one of the you know fundamentals to the reality that we have at hand. So it seems like um in response to kind of what you're we saying, like we're in a world where we need to be we have like kind of a a fractured Reality in the sense that we aren't all telling each other the same myth. Um, it's kind of a both end because on the one hand, Joseph Campbell was pretty much like, we haven't, we don't have, you know, like in the Nietzschean sense, we kill God or whatever, and all these institutions are kind of running on fumes and we've turned into kind of statists and, you know, economic, you know, the free markets, the God or whatever, TV or whatever, that kind of stuff. Um, and now we're starting to basically tribalize based off of in groups. Which ultimately, because we don't have an overarching narrative to relate to, like, you know, the Norse did with Odin or whatever the context in the past might have been, um, that we're all kind of, I mean, it's a both and where it's like really cool Age of Aquarius, everyone's, you know, doing their own thing, um, but at the same time, it's very kind of, a, in a weird way, nihilistic and disempowering in a, in an odd way, where people are like, you know, does Odin have as much power as Bart Simpson in archetypal form? You know, like, no one knows really what's going on. Uh, but then what also came to mind on the other side of this coin is like, uh, Terrence McKenna's whole, like, archaic revival. It seems like, you know, to go forward, we kind of got to go back simultaneously. So before we ever try to Elon Musk out of here on the Mars or whatever, we should probably start getting some narratives and stories together. How do you look at weaving stories? Um, I mean, it sounds like you're having fun and you're hacking it, but how do you look at that on the grand scale of things? Like when, you know, when we have inaugurations of presidents, that's a story we're telling ourselves. Like McKenna said, culture's not our friend. It's kind of like, Causing us to look down a certain pathway and, and through symbols and archetypes, um, resonate certain kind of magics, if you want to put it that way. Um, are you, are you hopeful and thinking that people are kind of creating their own realities and it's going to be a, you know, a Isaiah prophecy tapestry of all these kind of colors and stuff? Or are you thinking that we're kind of fractured and, you know, it's a postmodern kind of clusterfuck? This is <clears throat> Excuse me.
2: That's a beautiful question. I really appreciate that because I'm, I'm I'm of I'm both minds monster. here about this. And uh, what I can what I can definitely tell you is the part of me maybe that North node i sees that truly does uh hope for humanity and hope for our finding of the pattern that actually connects us all already. You know, and I I believe that's with, with, like even in the context of the gene keys. You have a shadow. You have this illusion of separation that we go through these challenges and these friction points these reactive and repressive energies that toil with us inside this thing of suffering and this vision of duality and that can cause a lot of individuation that is fractured that is like i'm going to make my own story and i'm going to i'm going to make my own and it's that old ego kind of totally absolutely and and there there is that and and instead of trying to get rid of that we're embracing and integrating that aspect of ourselves so the gift is releasing the creative service that's actually in tune with a larger collective whole so suddenly it can be creative but it's not trying to take or trying to be from a survival mechanism of I, if if the illusion of there's not enough but the city is saying what if there is already a net holding all of us what if all of the roads of wisdom not from like a spiritual bypass oh it's all love and light but like what if there is a literal architecture holding and guiding us deeper and deeper into connection with harmony in the whole how can we actually relax some of our ideas and pause and open like that angel of fertility was talking about how can we slow down and actually relax and surrender into that without Having to like lose like you have to have an ego worth giving up on this platter for the gods, you know, for the for the great collective. Like, let's make a story worth being a story for, but that doesn't take away from each other. So, on on, on a whole, like coming back to it, I don't. I'm I'm afraid for humanity a lot of times. I'm afraid for myself, and I think that what I love about these technologies is they invite me to go inward to clean up my pain, so that I'm not bringing that story as my loud pushing forcing myself into other people's experiences and the hero's journey doesn't mean taking away from someone else's magic and 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 the shadow is a necessary part of discovering that that's the friction the fuel that reminds me there's something more for me to love here there is every time the judgment shadow comes up or the vanity shadow comes up or the greed shadow comes up it is another lesson, another doorway, another dragon, not just to be slain, but actually to be integrated and become this incredible life force of those gifts. So I, I do I do think that the fracturing is a very real thing and we are empowering a lot of other new gods, as that metaphor goes, right? The these these because our thought forms have power. And I don't necessarily think we need to hack for hacking's sake and just be kind of lost and fractured in the individualistic world. Nor do I think we have to like pretend that we're gonna instantly be a big, happy global family. I think individual individuation is a part of returning to harmony by finding inner balance and then remembering this great balance that is already here, begging us and courting us to come back home into it. Does that make sense at all?
1: Oh, most assuredly. <laughs> like yeah, You're saying very... You have a moon in Libra, seriously, so in an 11th house, so you're waxing poetic on pretty big shit, so I appreciate that. Um, Raphael, uh, I imagine you concur with most of what he's saying, but I just kind of want to get your pulse on the sitch.
0: Well, as I've stated many times before, I'd say, also in my assessment, you know, there is this overarching structure, and you talked about relaxation um yeah the capacity to relax into it and the recognition of the holographic principle uh, the one is all the all are one which is so beautifully in a sense poetically described in the gene keys which is i guess another reason why i like them and also because they do what in a sense all i would say good in my view spiritual systems do is uh, they give the power back to you
1: yeah. At, at. So Elijah, I mean, there's all sorts of rabbit holes we can go down. Um, I'm wondering, kind of, just, uh, and you don't, it may, maybe it's changed over a long time, and I'm not trying to get you to pigeonhole yourself, but do you have like a, a flavor of ontological presupposition? Are you like, do you are you more of a theist or an agnostic? Are you thinking, um, like Gene Keys is based off of the I Ching, right, and stuff like that? So are you finding certain kind of, you know, archet, uh cultural artifacts more helpful for your journey than not i love that i appreciate you seeing my astrology
2: chart and the kind of the insights i'm i'm gleaning from you as you say it because you know on one level i i in my it's it's difficult i i feel like i'm of many minds about it because i i find i've i've spent many uh extended like two to three months diets in Peru and worked really deeply with that shamanic com- cosmology. And I have a really deep connection to my Tibetan-like teachers and kind of those uh, powerful, powerful practices that have helped me so much just heal inwardly. And with the jinkies, my favorite root of it is the I Ching, is my Qigong teacher lineage, as well as just like looking at the elements of life and these very, uh, this dance of fire and water inside ourselves and inside the world because nature is providing, as you said, Raphael, this holographic intelligence is here. So it's reflecting in all of these different ways. And nature is such a great tool for that. So, So I get inspired by all of these different personifications of God. I don't mind using the word God because I don't really feel pigeonhole to a religion about it. Um, but I do I do have a connection with that divine intelligence through my lived experience. And then at the very same time, I will tell every single person I work, I work really deeply with the jinkies on sessions and obviously with Richard and, and our retreats and things. And in a good way, I don't believe in any of it, I believe, I, I, I think that that has been a mind trap where I've tried to find proof and I don't feel like my being needs proof as much anymore. It's witnessing the intelligence show me brilliant ideas of myself. And those feel like truth. So I love synthesis because it's not saying any one system is right, but kind of the finger pointing to the moon metaphor of we're revealing this holographic, these these principles that are underneath all things, this undercurrent of love and compassion intelligent in all all parts of indra's net and instead of being stuck in one form i'm I, i'm these days i'm mostly just like are we being good people to each other am i being am i can i genuinely say that i lived this day being present with those around me and choosing to serve a vision of prosperity and love and not need to get lost in the ideas And then my mind is able to be free to enjoy the colors that I see in different spectrums. So deification for me is often a, like one of my teachers, I'll end with this quote from one of my Tibetan teachers said, the deity is the mantra. The very vibration of calling on an enlightened energy is invoking it here and now in the present state. And that's kind of where I think I live as is Am I calling on that energy and am I discovering that energy within myself? And if the system, the Dharma, the teaching helps me get there, then it's a correct uh, banks to this wild river of the mystery and it's, and it's helping. So uh, it's a little roundabout
1: way, of, I think of, of answering that question. That's what's up. Um, how did you get into Tibetan tea? I mean, were you like, Oh, I have a past life in this thing, or how did you start resonating with these things? Cause I think, um, A lot of people I mean it's tricky, it seems like there's initiates and people who know they're on a trip and wanna like pursue things. Um and then some people are just stuck in cultures where it's like, Oh, I'm in India and I'm of course gonna learn yoga because I'm in India or whatever, so it's more culturally dependent, like fixedness or something like that. And then there's the whole kind of postmodern after the Beatles in the sixties and everything, um, where the exoticism of these cultures kind of appeals to maybe people not who are bored but looking for something that isn't just like wasp culture essentially. Um, how did you turn out of some of the paths that you're on?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's, there's boredom and there's also, you know, what I've been learning, especially as I've been diving deeper, I'm a, I'm a white male body, cisgendered <laughs> heterosexual man. Like I'm a, I'm as, I'm as, I'm as Texan white boys you can get. And so we, we've been orphaned my culture. I feel like as I've been looking into it, my core, my culture has been orphaned from lineage, from elder teachings. Like, I had, you know, my grandparents that I loved how nice they were, but I, I wasn't really connected to a lineage or a rite of passage as a young man, you know. So I think there's this lost nature where we look out there for systems. And when you see something like when you really feel and tune into an actual Tibetan lineage teacher or, or any lineage that you're drawn to, you, you can feel the taproot of connection. And something in my soul hungered for that when I first felt it. And I first felt it actually in Peru um, with one of my teachers, Roman from the Paititi Institute, who has, has after curing himself of Crohn's disease through breathwork and shamanic medicine work and the Tibetan lineage, he's just devoted his life to holding and preserving indigenous wisdom, as well as the the, the indigenous Tibetan wisdom from his teachers and i witnessed the 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 magic through him in a lived experience way and then i took those practices and started finding my teachers uh in my local area to work with that and now i don't necessarily practice that from a traditional sense and nor do i claim to be a buddhist or a tibetan you know cuz i think we i have also seen my culture take on all these like ooh let me just grab the the best parts of all of them and i'm i am just as guilty of like grabbing and hacking all the best parts of all these different cultures that have actually lived and died for thousands of years to preserve this wisdom. So it's a really fine line of not just, um, uh, what is it called, like picking up the pieces that you want and leaving the rest, but also I do think that this kind of Aquarian library that's opening up is reminding us maybe some lost tomes that I didn't, you know, I do feel some sort of past life connection, as well as just present life respect. Uh, for, for, for finding peace inside and inside and outside. Um, So, so feeling that it's been a journey. And now I've chosen to kind of be taking step backs and looking into my own lineage and my own indigenous roots and rediscovering that for myself, because I was also given in this life, in this blood body that we have, like I was given information too. So Obviously, I'm a very fractal being. I like our fractal lineage, as, uh, as Richard would call it. Um, but I also respect that uh, these cultures have gone through a lot to bring this wisdom. And I want to care and respect each of those teachers for doing that.
1: Um, yeah. That's the funny rub to me, because on the one hand, what you're kind of talking about is like, um, you know, the appropriation culture, which kind of has a bad taste in the mouth. Uh, in a a positively polarized way it'd be syncretism where it's like oh yeah dream weavers are dope i'll buy one that doesn't mean like i weaved them for a thousand years through my bloodline or whatever um so it's this weird both and on the one hand i think the nature of the market driven consumerism kind of thing can tend to not fully respect where things come from which is problematic um but at the same time uh the river is never the same and you know change is a constant so like it can be it can be tricky. I mean, I don't even know if there's a right way to going about it. Where people like maybe like try to hold something in a in a mental light and be like, this tradition won't change. And it's like that tradition didn't always exist and it won't always be the same. And it's really bizarre to like try to um you know have a, almost an archaeological or museum kind of approach where it's like I want to identify it for what it is on its terms. But at the same time, uh, in a kind of postmodern chaos magician kind of, you know, street magician or whatever kind of way, be like, I want to take the best fucking tools I can and grok them to the degree I can in my trip and not be so hung up on the dogmas and, you know, constraints of, you know, South Nose and Sagittarius right now, North nodes and Gemini collectively. It's like learning new ideas is great and, and running around saying, you know, thus says the Lord. And if you don't have this, you know, circumcision or if you do, haven't, gotten that teaching from a guru that's kind of what we're trying to get away from in a weird way um and it sounds even how you were describing yourself um uh it seems and just i know i've been up to portland and seattle um a few times not much but i know the culture there's much more sensitive to political correctness um in the sense of like identification culture and stuff like what you just rattled off uh, was a very Complicated, complicated scientific name for your situa- situatedness or whatever. Is not normal? I mean, it's normal now, but it's like kind of weird and weird. Um, so, what are your thoughts on that? Because I-, I think picking up, you know, on the one hand, it's like if you find an arrowhead, it's like, oh, cool, I can tell a story with this. And on the other hand, it's like that might have been a very important thing to that culture, and you're not respecting it the same way. So, this like weird threading the needle of both like like valuing things on terms that are not our own, and then valuing things on our own terms.
2: Ooh, I like that. That's a that's a really potent line. You know, one of the things again, all for me, the wisdom of the gene keys has been a a really great way of understanding that I I have a relationship with the transmission and the transmission. When I say that, isn't just the gene keys flavor, uh, this amazing poetry that came out, and, and it's not just Taoism, and it's not just all the uh, you know, it's it's not. The moon. It, the moon is something deeper than that. It's this current of wisdom, and it is from within. And so, when I read the Gene Keys book, or or I ex, or experience a teaching of the Dharma and the Tibetan lineage, I'm awakening a wisdom that I already had inside me. Now, it has a very powerful flavor that has been constructed, but it's it's awakening self illumination. It's awakening my part of that fractal, which is also why. Some people have never encountered a lineage or a teaching or I, I see it all the time with the gene keys of like someone hasn't uh, read the gene keys, but they've lived that gene key because it's something coming alive from inside them and pausing and relaxing into the genius that is you can tell that story in a new way. Like you're saying, we we are constantly changing and rewriting this story. So I really appreciate this question about political correctness and about like labels and identifications because while I do have some identifications, obviously, at the same time, it's, it's, I'm learning a language to participate in this next conversation that's happening. And I don't really, I'm working hard to not get off balance by doing it, because I think a lot of times we, as a culture, we can get really um, caught up into the emotional waves of trying to Find safety isn 't inevitably what 's happening everyone 's look for safety, and I think that that 's a worthy thing to want and so i 'd like to not cause harm to others inadvertently unconsciously with my unconscious bias or my conscious practices or my habits and I want to meet people in this fresh here and now, and that doesn 't mean I have to obey some authoritative rules it's a it 's about a relationship and suddenly. Me understanding that, like some of those PC, considered PC terms and identifications, if that could actually open a conversation with someone who identifies differently than me, just like speaking astrologically oh, I have a moon in Libra and you have a rising, you know, Aries, it, it gives me a context to have a relationship and then be present with what's arising. And same with that arrowhead. If it doesn't take away from the story I could tell to also honor, wow, this has history. This has a lineage of connection. And someone may have really, it may matter to someone really deeply. Can that actually feed into the story that I'm telling today? Um, And and I think that's, I have a key in the gene keys. It's my radiance. It's number 32, which is the shadow of failure. The illusion that we're not connected to this lineage of life and the the gift is preservation preserving wisdom from story to story to the to the city of veneration that like kind of the veneration of saints the the acknowledgement of this great lineage and that doesn't mean i have to wear the robes and and chant the names exactly the way someone before me did but it's a recognition that i'm not alone and a single arrowhead story isn't alone and maybe a little bit of my young more immature creator, magician self was also a bit afraid because he was alone. So he had to create, I had to create my own reality. So I think it's just a, I, I'd like more more and more, I just see it becoming less about validation and more about relation. And I don't need to be right in a conversation anymore. I just want to be in in a consensual relationship where possible and see what harmony can emerge from that. And I hope more and more of us take the opportunity and the inquiry of if something challenges, if someone challenges me about the language that I use or the platform that I use, I want to use that as inquiry, not to take it in, not take it on. Like I don't need to identify with someone else's pain, but I can empathize and understand that pain is happening. And maybe I have an opportunity to create more harmony without compromising some identity of myself.
1: Well said. Yeah, it seems that the tragedy of human history and maybe galactic and beyond, who knows, um, has been when people are insoluble to the ideas of others. I mean, that's where the clashing of cultures happens, where it's like, Oh, you believe in Quetzalcoatl and, uh, but we're like, you know, Spaniards. <laughs> like it, it, it becomes like, um, almost different, you know, soft, uh, you know, operating systems. I mean, in a weird way where it's like Mac does not talk very well to Windows. And the more we can kind of bridge these things, I think ultimately, like, you know, like LaFelle is f- fond of Linux. Like there's other ways to do it, but t- typically out of laziness and fear, cultural kind of habit. Um, we've had Rupert Childrick on. He's all about habit, um, of kind of even genetics and, you know, um, that's more of a genetic field kind of thing. Uh, but like it, we can get out of ruts, but the ruts are there. Um, in a weird way, it's both in. It seems like that's the nature in which patterns arise and 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 repeat um themes and variations aren't just so random you know it's like uh, that these things establish themselves as like you know zones of energy or whatever um but being willing to kind of barter and trade you have enough mercurial energy in your chart where it's like yeah it doesn't surprise me that you want to be like a trader you're not trying to just be like i'm for the british government or i'm an american it's (laughs) like i'm a fur trader and i'll talk to anybody about whatever um so it's not terribly surprising Uh, in terms of, um, just reality, I mean, it's, uh, and there's no right or wrong answers, but you seem astute enough to kind of grok a lot. So I'm kind of curious, how do you look at, uh, do you think it's democratized in a sense where it's like, we're all looking at the same thing or are we also fractured an individual at a level that we're all kind of touching a different part of the elephant necessarily and language is, I mean, as much a tool as a divider, like, how do you look? Because what you're kind of talking about with your last statement sounded like, Kind of like the coming in of the divine feminine, which is kind of the, you know, cliche for the past 10 years or something, but it's like, it's about, you know, service and humility. It doesn't strip itself of identity fully, but it doesn't spearhead with identity at the cost of other. So how do you look at, um, especially now? Cause I, I mean, I had the 55 in my profile as my, I guess, attraction, which is where we're going, right? Whereas this evolution is like, holy shit, we don't even know where we're going. Um, but it doesn't feel like we've popped through the, the eggshell quite yet. It seems we're still kind of, uh, incubatory. Um, what, how do you look at the zeitgeist right now? Do you think people can speak a common language? Do you think that, you know, meme culture and internet culture and all this stuff is tearing down the structures to the degree where they aren't relatable enough, where people just have to move on? Like, how, how are you looking at the current zeitgeist, I guess? Good, important inquiry.
2: I, you know, initially what it brings up for me is I I don't think it's about finding a common language. I think that that is, I, I think anything that tries to be mass encompassing tends to fall short of the connection that is already common and connects us all. You know, some of the Keys like compassion, the gene key of compassion is recognizing that we are all connected by suffering. We all know someone that has died and we all deal with the mortality of our of our life. We you know, it's these it's these eternal aspects that are actually the connective tissue. And that's, you know, a a common it's It's easy to say, right? Like love and compassion is the foundation of all beings. And then you see how freaking war and mean and divisive we can be. And so I do think that there is a there's a journey to finding what is the common language, not through words and not through concepts, but through I, I do feel like there is a, a a humanity that touches people's souls when you see someone in pain before you. When you know your pain, and you understand deeper and deeper the roots of when i understand deeper and deeper the roots of my own pain i can see someone else's pain and i can connect to the humanity and the and the divinity of that even if i don't agree with that person and i think we're not going to come to agreements we're going to need to come to biodiverse reality where you learn from conflict and you and you exchange energy without uh, needing mass extinction. And so like thinking of the zygos right now, what you said of, like, internet culture, you know, I've been off of social networks now for two years, and and just the level of psychic ram that's free for me now in my own space. And I do think that we have created these new addictions and new distractions and new externalizations of what what I do feel the time is asking of, and I think last year kind of showed a lot of people is what happens when you're alone and quiet and have to stop all of your distractions. And suddenly all of these deep wellspring of emotions come up. That for me is where we we get what we actually want to be working on, because it will feed all of the other things that are systemic and are like, you know all all of the other systems of education and and prison and you know energy efficiency and all and corporations and all these like big big picture issues that are coming up they can they need to be rooted from a resolution of not just transferring my pain onto another person again and actually coming into connection and harmony with my inner challenges and shadows and so that's just kind of why i think this work Whatever, whether it's astrology or 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 jinkies or any meditation and mindful, whatever the pathway you find, I encourage each of us to to look inward to slow down that hermit. I mean, just thank you for that card at the beginning. This these the angel of fertility that comes from slowing down and per, how do we actually help this organism that we are without needing? I don't need to be a lung cell. I'm a liver cell. I don't need to be or speak your language but I need to be in harmony with this larger organism. Otherwise we all suffer. And I think that's the the paradox that's happening inside this humanity of suffering, that it's actually what connects us. It, it is the common language. And that excites me of learning more and more how to surf that language.
1: Word. Yeah. The thing that came to mind when you said all that, uh, partly, I was thinking of Darth Vader. I don't know if you're into Star Wars and the whole, of course. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, Some people are like, no, I've never seen it. Uh, but Anakin didn't have to go down the path. Uh, it's weird because it's both in. On the one hand, he's the one to bring balance to the Force, and maybe the Jedi were just high and lofty and lazy and kind of like fat cats, not really doing much. So bringing in the dark was like necessito, I guess, or whatever for that kind of, quote, dow balancing. But, um, the thought that came to my mind was when his mother dies, spoilers, <laughs> his mother dies, uh, in one of the first, um, I think it's like Revenge of the Sith or something like that, um, and he's like, he didn't deal i mean it's it's natural for people to be angry and upset but the projection of that onto the sand people or whatever where he goes massacres them that leads a little in a step of a direction where he's probably willing to go do that to the younglings eventually which means he's willing to probably go blow up a planet eventually you know it's like because he's not sitting with his pain and dealing with it responsibly which it's weird because i i want to know your i mean it seems like that's that's you know Fear leads hate, hate leads, anger, dark side stuffs, right? And the fear, it's he's not going into it in such a way that he's resolving it. I don't know if it can ever fully be resolved in some way. I, I know that, you know, New Age community, Christians, even to a point, and lots of people are like, I've got it. And they think there's this stationary point of gnosis where it's like I'm I'm untouchable, and it seems that we're dynamic beings in a dynamic reality. Um that's kind of always like, you know, rise, punctuate, uh, come to stasis, rise, punctuate, come to stasis um how do you look at like yugas like i mean it seems like um the time the nature of the times is such that like you know ignorance is winning <laughs> largely and people are you know for a long time at least you know for the last few hundreds and thousands of years people have been willing to commit to their stories so much that they aren't able to see the pain in another person's eyes they're so worried about their pain and they're blinded by it in that way uh do you think that i mean it seems like Rudd and you know the buddhist kind of approach is like this is this is causally necessary. Like this has to be occurring for the gestation of the human spirit in Gaia or whatever. So though it's uncomfortable and kind of weird uh, on the ground, like how do you look at um, that level of things? Do you think like everything is in its right place always in harmony kind of is what I've been grokking a little from the, the, the jinkies. It's like there's nothing out of harmony. It's just different, you, you know, hexagrams have different values qualitatively. So sometimes it's like, this is a very imbalanced moment, but it's in balance ultimately within the whole context, if you get what I'm saying.
2: I think it's a great challenge to, uh, and that's why the paradox is always there, right? There's a a jinky judgment as the shadow, integrity as the gift, and perfection as the city. And it's that joke of all the cities, is that what if everything actually already is perfect? Everything actually is beauty. Everything actually is harmony and everything actually is love it's just maybe love in a confused state so i see it as a taurus you know the 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 cycling of energy of of that kind of donut shape that that has a 64 you know geometry of reality is that the center point is that city that it's always that and the shadow is the very edges of interference that get emanated from that journey and the gift is our cascading back into center and ejecting away from center. It's this this tension point. The integrity is actually what's created by tension between extremes. So I don't think that shadows are wrong. I don't think that evil is necessary. I mean, evil is a bad word because there's so many connotations. I don't think that the, ch- the, the challenges are necessary and the imbalances are wrong. But I also don't want to live in a bypass of like, well, we can permiss. Uh, um, harmful actions in our day-to-day reality because it's all God. And and so I think that there's this very important balance point that I think the human adventure is, is what is my relationship to the eternal? It's all fated. It's all holy. It's all everything. And the shadow of it's all distorted. It's all corrupt. And there's nothing we can do about it. There is a, there is a joy for me and a and hard journey to really be in that tension point and find integrity in my life, not just to judge that which I see as wrong, the shadow, and and be obsessed with the crack in the cauldron and not just say everything's perfect because it's perfect because it's perfecting. Evolution is a part of the story of perfection. So the perfecting is a necessary ingredient to Realize the perfection. It's a part of the system. And in that balance point is just this opportunity to say, how can I be in creative service to this perfection that is? That's, my, that's a joy for me. And, and, it, and it helps me in times of great conflict to fill the crack Not just point at the crack and be upset at the crack, but fill it with the gold of my awareness. So now now this cracked cup is even more valuable than it started. And that's that evolution, that freedom, this force that's coming through us. And, And I think it's always balanced by the involution of grace to remember that it's okay to relax and trust a little deeper, but not go to sleep. Lucid
1: surrender. Stay awake and relax oh how is that well said uh yeah i mean what you're saying with the whole um crack kind of japanese gold uh pottery thing reminds me a little of, i mean it's a christian mythos or whatever but uh with the uh prodigal son it's like things are fine but this guy had to run off and go do crazy shit and find remorse and come back and you know realize his value and stuff like the whole journey is the point in a weird way and for some reason, it seems like we're dancing between, like, um, uh, platonic kind of ideal forms where it's like, oh, holiness and righteousness and and truth and, like, these things that we – I don't know. I mean, I, if you, you've done ayahuasca, it sounds like I haven't done that on DMT. Uh, I blasted off and was talking to these Egyptian deities and stuff and having kundalini awakenings a few years ago. And um, – it felt like more of a platonic ideal forms place, where it's like, this is the eternal moment, we're just living in some fucking shadow of this, like, some sub, you know, uh, game, like, side, solitary game, or whatever, solitaire. And um, it's weird, because on the one hand, I think we have within us eternity, so these things are real, but it seems we've asked to be, and this is the kind of mystery of it all, the grand mystery that can't really be named the Dao, or whatever, but it's like, I guess we're in a, a churning cauldron of polarity dance and that means process and you know suffering and disillusionment and projection and all this weird stuff i I, my hope is that it's like the end of a broadway production where we all just kind of like see the curtain call for what it is i don't know if you've seen um uh, neon evangelion (laughs) neon genesis evangelion Raphael and i did an episode on that before because he grew up on that and i watched it and i was like holy shit it's like a cabalistic apotheosis at the end where it's just kind of like oh we are on the stage And we realize it, and at that point, everyone, like, kind of like in the book of Isaiah, it's like, no one has to be the same. Like, the people who are into, like, you know, African culture and, you know, wearing leopard prints, do it. Celtic druids, do it. Like, it's all a song of creation, and now that you know it, you're not competing in the same ignorant way. And I'm hoping we're getting closer to that, but it, it seems, you know, it's always darkest before the dawn. It seems like it's been very kind of erratic, um chaotic i mean even uranus and taurus like our values are being shocked by chaos and punctuation epiphany so i think we're starting to be like oh maybe I'll, you know most people it seems like you're kind of more woke quote unquote than most american citizens but most people are like oh the economy is rigged look these redditors can go in and play their game and whatever i don't know how much you're paying attention to like maybe sure, culture sure. right now yeah um or oh this election like no one really wanted biden <laughs> uh but they wanted him more than Trump, so you know it just gets to this place where it's like no one, you know, these aren't people we want. And we're just dealing with Pepsi versus Coke stuffs. And I think people are starting to kind of get to a place where they're realizing it's kind of a rigged shit show. But at the same time, that's very disempowering, and then you know, it's a it's a weird situation. I'm rambling. Um, Raphael, he said quite a bit of profound beauty. Did you have anything you wanted to contribute on that front?
0: Yes. On so number one, I just like to say I don't see any of these revelations as disempowering at all and my other question that randomly came up while you were talking elijah was what is your impression because to me it very much seems like it's not so easy to find a place within the infinity of parallel realities where we actually can play solitaire and just as you mentioned this jim i mean this is a hugely popular game even just you know thinking of it's pre-installed and all the windows computers or whatever I guess a few years ago it was even more popular but just thinking about this idea that at least the way i understand the whole game there truly aren't many places where you can really allow yourself even the possibility to feel as alone and separate both in its positive and negative aspects as you can for example through a human earth incarnation and then especially with the potential of recognizing your interconnectedness to everything uh, yeah to me it doesn't look bleak at all, so beautifully
2: said i i I wholeheartedly agree, and I think that why else did we forget but to have this ecstatic joy of remembering again i I think that is a part of the game for me of this game of this incarnation, and I think that's i think that understanding that we are connected doesn't need to take away from the individuated experience it's 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 the it's the ecstasy of revelation that I think existence wants. <laughs> On some weird level, I think I'm I'm satisfying itself by becoming itself, but not. Oh, sorry. There's some reason I came to this body, even if it wasn't a conscious reason. It is happening now, and I'd like to use this adventure called life. And and. Pay sorry it's doing it again pay attention to the game rules that are happening outside of me like the the politics and the and the things because they're they're a part of the game but they're not the whole game and i i be a wizard be a wizard and come forth so i think play the game is my end quote here as my my internet continues to bounce in and out as mercury plays its games with me play the game that's my love
1: that's what's up. So let's go ahead and take a quick music break. Um, and if you want to like pop off and pack up, pop back on that server, maybe that'll help. I don't know. Um, this is a Boards of Canada song. It's about five minutes. It's chill. Hopefully you enjoy. Welcome back. That song kind of hit the nail on the head aesthetically. I hadn't thought much about it. I just knew it was a cool track, so I picked it. Um, but it felt very much kind of this postmodern digital. Frontier, but it has this kind of sway to it that was very kind of tribal and almost like simple, archaic vibes to it. So kind of this weird weird hodgepodge of like future primitive, whatever, that kind of vibes. Um, Interesting. I don't know if you guys felt that, but I was was like, oh, this is actually very appropriate. Absolutely beautiful zone. So uh, we can kind of go any which number of ways. I'm kind of curious, Raphael, if you had any questions or directions you want to go or elijah if there's anything you want to talk about in particular i'm a double gemini so i can always ask questions
0: well elijah kindly go first if there's anything on your mind
2: i'm very much enjoying you know the i'll, I'll say a joke is that elijah one of its terms is elijah the prophet from a biblical and uh, someone told me once a very wise man named Named Gemini Bet, who said to me, "Elijah, you're not a prophet; you're an oracle. Wait until someone asks the question,
1: so I shall receive a question." That's what's up, Raphael. Uh, before I jump forward, anything?
0: Well, plenty of things. One thing I just like to reiterate, since it is an episode associated with Gene Keys, would you agree in your assessment? Because you know, there's all kinds of varying occult books and. Uh, systems and so on and so forth to the extent that i read it and you know even did at least the first part there was a course a few years back about this activation sequence and so on but to the degree that i was reading the book i can only assume i read half or something i'm actually i had it i think i gifted it i'm gonna get it gifted back soon i'm already uh, excited for that but simply put that this whole layout of, you know, shadow, shadow gift and city and especially also the way it is presented in its split, you know, repressive nature, rebellious nature and the way it is described to me, honestly, when I was opening that book, you know, I've read French philosophy, different occult books, books some that are more straightforward channels like Bashar and um, philosophers, so on and so forth many are difficult to understand especially with philosophy you feel oh it takes a hundred thousand pages to get to the point point. and to me i was honestly very much impressed both by how psychologically astute the gene keys are in terms of the written tome and also how well it relates to the spiritual principle and of course just as you said it kind of integrates also this almost gamification or just realization that the magic is you and the gifts and the cds and the superpowers or all around you. So basically, I'm just asking you about, I guess, your assessment or your description of the particularity of the combination of this system and how it ties all these things together in such a beautiful fashion, because I think it deserves a reinforcement.
2: Beautiful. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I find found the Gene Keys to be a really important tome when I first discovered it because it was able to summarize so many powerful concepts and feelings and and ideas into, while you can look at the book, it's a huge book, it's also each each gene key is actually only a a, a few pages and it really tells important universal stories. And I also love how the book itself can be a very good oracle, just open it and just uh, receive the wisdom of that page. It's not exactly... For anyone new it's not a, it's not a book you need to read from from cover to cover uh it it is it is these these messages from the library i, I see it as a, as a as a living library and the jinkies are such a poetic and profound look into it and it's one of the reasons why the cards were inspiring for me and amelie grace another astrologer and jinkies when we created these cards it came from a place of of the Jinkies pointed me to the synthesis that all of these systems are interrelated. So it has the I Ching, which is its own whole library and lifelong study. And it has human design, which is also its own whole lifelong study. And it has the physiology of the body, which even just meditating into your own body is a whole library, a doctorate program waiting for you inside your body. So I think that for me, especially in this, we've been discussing this mercurial part of me of enjoying to be able to see the many, you know, I am a jack of all trades. And I I think that that's, that's a part of my magic is being able to see many parts of the, many facets of the diamond without needing to spend uh, an entire lifetime of study in one specific area. So I think right now the gene came about as a contemporary uh, and poetic translation of the i ching and human design and these these parts, so that people, you know, not just scholars or philosophers, so that anyone could pick up this material to a degree. I mean, there's there's always it can also be dense or hard to re- receive sometimes, but my hope is that more and more people are able to share the gene keys from a very um, open door, you know, approach, the the open source secret society, as it were, that, that it's not that the information is going to be all available to you all at once because we as individuals unlock in layers. But I really have appreciated the profound accuracy that I've seen the gene keys mm-hmm. and as well as the, the profile part of it the astrological pro- part of it um, and the courses are provided kind of as a step by step into that information but i had the book only for at least several years before the courses were even available and now what nine years later i am involved in many aspects of the jinkies and i still open the, that book or listen to the audio and a whole new world of information opens up so i think it's a gift that keeps on giving which i appreciate as well
1: word so i'm kind of curious uh how did you go from just a you know a jinky book holder to somebody who's participating kind of on the front line richard was saying that you know he thinks you're dope i mean not he didn't say that but it's like, <laughs> he thinks you're cool as fuck and uh you're very critical to kind of what he's trying to get out there so how did you he probably didn't say that him? either but yeah right 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 well you see what i'm saying uh it seems like you're helping him stir his pot and get his um perfume out in the air so uh what was that journey like
2: yeah that's a that's a fun
1: magic journey so
2: i uh came here to wonderland to to this amazing art sanctuary and the the purveyor the steward of this place was been a zing um I'm a dear dear friend of all of us and gemini and bred as well and uh, and she was the mad scientist, the creative rebel who who was like, "This jinkies thing is amazing," and Richard's not doing anything about it, so we need to start doing stuff about it. So we made these cards as just flashcards so that we could memorize all the jinkies, and we would play games with each other of like improv theater games of like, "Okay, you draw a jinkie and you be that Shadowgift city, and I'll be this Gift city," and we just made art and made music about the jinkies because it was. It was the most inspiring thing we could call on because it was real. You know, it's not just like draw three objects out of a hat and improv about it. It's real archetypal wisdom. So we were just creating off of it. And we had this idea of the living library, of a place where we started to see that my insights and Bina's insights and Amma's insights and each person we'd meet, like, their insights on that gene key really brought it alive for others. So we wanted to collect those stories. And so we were plotting a video. We were going to send Richard a video of like, here's what we do and here's who we are. And we want you to, we want to collaborate with you. And probably two days or three days before we actually sent it, he reached out to us and was like, Hey, I heard about you from some friends and I'd love to collaborate and think library and host an event with you. And from it was just true friendship and and creatorship and and we've had our our ups and downs as any good creative relationship has but through it through the many years you know I consider Richard to be a very deep friend and ally now and it's been an honor to to kind of throw my film school magic into into something worth I'm I'm very lucky now to have a job that I'm, I feel very connected to its service and its mission in the world. And I love how you said, stir the perfume and help help Richard's perfume go further. Cause I, it, it's a, it's a worthy project for me, put my energy behind and I've discovered in my jinkies, a lot of areas where I really appreciate getting to provide support and foundation for some of that work to go further. Um, and, um, in particular, in this little story with the jinky at 26, pride, artfulness, invisibility, and I, and, and even my life's workshop of greed, I, I've worked hard on tempering this ambition to try to go out there and be the prophet and wake people up and do something. And instead it's been this tempering process of relaxing into my real role as an editor from by trade, the editor once doesn't want you to go to a blockbuster movie and say, wow, that was an amazing edited film. They want you to be so immersed in the story that they become invisible. And that's like the highest archetype of art for me is when we become invisible and the revelation that the art spirit creates is what is left. So I think as a as a young man turning into a, a uh, not middle age, but whatever age I am now, I think it was this tempering of, Instead of trying to force my ideas out there, I really want to be in service to that perfume-like essence of wisdom. And uh and Richard has been a great teacher and friend to like explore that how how do we share with from a heart marketing place and get the words out there and the and the and support many businesses and people out there, but also not dilute the wisdom because so many things can just get crushed by a business or whatever those root chakra needs we think they are um so it's been a cool journey to kind of see the synchronicity that actually brought us together and then you know this kind of fractal line of knowing yeah this is the right
1: right collaboration at this time in our life dope so i'm looking at your chart and uh your ascendant is a scorpio scorpio rising that means you're mid heaven or mid um, which is kind of the midlife you were just what triggered me to look at this you're like oh, i'm not in my midlife let's just i mean i'm 35 you're i think 32 um let's just say you're at your midlife even though hopefully we live longer than 60 or you know whatever but, <laughs> um it, yours is in leo so i mean in a weird way you started off your journey being kind of like uh lone wolf very scorpionic right like probably like keeping your right, self, right. being deeply emotional kind of like you know psychologically pondering but maybe not loud uh, not that you're always going to be a loud person. You are a Capricorn. You're kind of more dry, but you're so mercurial that it kind of makes up where it, thank God, uh, no offense. So, like Capricorns are like always the most fun. Third house Capricorns, I could totally get down with. Um, <laughs> but yeah, your mid heaven is going in the Leo direction, which seems like it, you're going to be feeling that you're in love with your life, whether it's loud and on stage and like, you know, you're getting a million people watching or whatever. It doesn't really matter to you. You're like, you love what you're doing um so that'll be fun i hope you enjoy that um so speaking of what you do i mean i'm kind of curious on two fronts and you can pick whichever you were talking about i don't know if you if i heard you right but you said film school what's kind of your background and what are some of the kind of creative um you know holographic media things that you're doing and i'm very curious about the kind of uh your entrance and participation with this community that you're talking about so either one and go for it
2: Yeah, I went to UT Film School, but luckily there was an amazing program there called the ACT Lab, where uh, my mentor, Sandy Stone, who is a wild hacker, experimental artist, just profound uh, woman, um, she uh, ran this program where she combined people from all different majors, but we got to use all the best communications school uh, gear and she provided this pedagogy that was all about take risks, make, be awesome, take risks and make stuff. And so we did a form of intermodal expressive arts is basically what the study actually was. And through learning with her, I did projection mapping and uh, and learned, you know, and, and did all these different kind of weirder. I didn't have to go through traditional film school, basically. And it was all about you know, crossing these dangerous borders of mind and spirit and actually using art as a therapeutic, as an ex- as a cathartic process. And she ended up taking me under her wing and brought me to Switzerland, where I taught for two summers at an expressive arts therapy school called EGS. And that was where I really started to learn, like, oh, you can utilize this power of art as an actual transformational process. And there's a body of study that actually, you know, aligns with this. At the same time, I was learning brainwave entrainment and uh, studying neurofeedback, biofeedback kind of technique techniques. And there was I was VJing in Austin, you know, I was doing visuals for clubs and for bands and stuff and providing these kind of trippy mandalas that I'd make. And this guy uh, came and told me and my my business partner at the time, your visuals are medicine and you're giving it away as recreational drugs and that just stopped me in my tracks and i was like okay and so i we started creating light sound saunas where we would we would use sound healing and uh and healing color therapy and projections and the mandalas and and brainwave entrainment to induce um you know states of consciousness and and it really helped me meditate it was like a new version of tricking myself into meditation and all these things so i had all this techie stuff that was like floating around of like okay i want to impact consciousness and i want to i want to explore consciousness but i i also don't want to just go down the you know i i love medicines and entheogens and all that but i can't be a, be tied to that like there's a way to hack this from the inside out i've, I've been learning through brainwave entrainment and breath work how to like unlock these states and uh and then um you know running into to jinkies and Richard and all these things. And then I went to Peru. (laughs) And then it was like, throw all the projectors away, throw all the light sound machines away. It was all about inner technology and plants and going inward as the real work. And over the years, it's kind of been slowly bringing my technology back out in a new way in a less young buck you know, classic way of I was just trying to hack everything from the digital world, and now I find myself in in a relative balance. I mean, it, it's it's a constant struggle to not be on the screen all day long because I also serve a virtual community, as we as many of us do this last year. But I get to provide. I'm a you know webmaster designer. I'm a I'm Host virtual calls and virtual retreat experiences. I, I've built the learning system. I've designed the graphics and help videos, and and also help people. You know, and and so it's been like both my teams. Like I really, any business that has a transformational consciousness-based product or service, you're gonna go through a transformational process by being in service to that business. To me, because now business isn't some dry, cold like empty room where you make money it's it's a place of it's a laboratory of relational and spiritual growth and so i love that about my work and uh and then of course i'm a musician as well so like trying to bring my intermodal art uh, background into as many areas of my life uh, but with that drive for
1: personal and collective transformation and and empowerment sicky Bombastic. So, um, I've lived in Switzerland for almost two years over near um, Montreux up up in that direction. What part of Switzerland were you in?
2: This was in Sasfe
1: okay, well, I'm not obviously savvy enough to know where the fuck that is, but I'm like that was the first speaking part yeah
2: i have i i had, I only went there in Switzerland, so I don't even really know, but it was the top of a beautiful mountain, kind of little mountain town, and uh, but European Graduate School was the school at EGS, and they teach intermodal expressive arts therapy and coaching, and uh, very cool, very amazing school.
1: And I do appreciate how um, you can, you know, help musicians and people like ravers like have visuals, quote-unquote, but I like how you weren't trying to be so tied to that that it's like, all you do is play Burning Man or whatever. Um, So, what were some of the epiphanies you've had in Peru? I mean, it sounds like that was a pretty big pick up on your train track in a good sense um it, like you were talking about inner technologies i haven't had the you know the chance to do ayahuasca i'm not sure if i ever will i probably will I probably should but um i've done more lsd and things like that so was it psychedelics based epiphany stuff or was it kind of a whole you know culture uh shock thing or what was going on with that
2: yeah, I think I think I was lucky that I went down, uh, I, I mentioned them before, the Paititi Institute, Preservation for Indigenous Wisdom, is that they do a really amazing job of absolutely using the entheogenic medicines, uh, but also bridging that with breathwork practices and dreamwork, uh, capitulation and transpersonal psychology. It's, it's a very grounded, holistic approach, because as i've now over the years really and and i did with peru i mean the the mountains the land the jungles the people the art of course it just it just sings to my soul and there's a, a amazing lineage of the tibetan dragon lines that connect all the way into peru and these very bizarre and amazing stories of their, their connectedness and so there's something visceral when i went there that that connected me and the plants, obviously, the actual entheogenic plants like onions and, uh, and wachuma, but also all the medicinal plants, this, this technology of dieting and of working deeply with a plant until you know its song, it, it has called me over the years of, of, wow, I don't need to imbibe in order to call that energy into me. I need to make relationships And the plant is a first relationship because it's a physical embodiment of a vibration. But again, all these vibrations are tuning into the universal vibrations. So I feel like I mean it literally opened my voice. It was the first time I sang in public, you know. And now, uh, years later, I haven't done it this last year. But I play music with Wonderland where we improv sing uh, Gene Keys to people uh, at at shows, you know, at festivals. We did it for a while. And so it awakened so much of that creative spirit, but in service to prayer i think i think I think I went down there, you know, my mom laughed at me of like you're not going there to, to teach she said you're not going down there to learn you're going down there to pray and i was like that's that's true i am and, and being very anti Christian for most of my life, it was a pretty powerful moment of like maybe there's something to this technology <laughs> called prayer." And so, coming back from that, I mean, of course, there was the power of the psychedelic, kind of like the visions and the, and the impact, but more so was recognizing the ceremony of life. You know, I talk a lot, I've talked a lot today about the game of life, which I do love, but also my seriousness of my, my tri Capricorn, deep rooted grandmother vine of the Capricorn is the depth of prayer and, and that Virgo hermit. You know, there's also this depth of this deep solitary prayer that comes from that state. And I'll I'll end with the most important thing was being willing to go inward and see some of the darkest, most messed up stuff about my life and breathe with them. And doing that long enough and then carrying that practice with me into my everyday here back in the States, doing that long enough to really begin to integrate and not be at charge and that kind of knee jerk reaction to my pain and the jinkies were crucial we both brought the jinkies there and shared it with people in peru but also kind of as my integration tool my shamanic integration tool has been because they they the jinkies show you the the shamanic visionary state in those cities but they also show you those deep shadows and 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 i and that's inevitably what was taught to me is that our dreams reveal our memories, and our memories require our breath. And as we integrate those aspects of our life, we slow down the painful reactions and begin to find peace. And I think that's really the breakthrough that it changed my life uh, from my young, fiery uh, uh, jump around the world, let's see how much I can do, and and I think I think a immature dream world is like, I realized everything was a dream. And so I kind of started to get disconnected. And the vine, the literal vines of the jungle were all about rooting into this body, into this incarnation. And I'm really grateful for that. And in and, and the entheogenic experience, not just reaching out to God, but letting that God come from within and reveal the body and the temple that this body is was
1: precious
2: and changed my
1: life you do have jupiter and aries but it's in the sixth house which virgo flavored so it's like yeah your your personal journey is very um cavalier is probably too strong a word but like you're you're here to kind of like chop through the brush of the jungle not to be too imperialistic here <laughs> uh and, and get to the you know get into it and see what's in there for yourself for that for your own health like you're always gonna have luck with health in a weird way so it sounds like that was one such instance. Uh, you said you're a musician. I might have seen a hung drum on your page when I was looking through it. Uh, what kind of music do you play? Um, yeah, yeah, indeed,
2: that's that's my main uh, instrument is the the hand pans, the hung drums, and uh, I I was a percussionist like in high school band and drumline and stuff, but I didn't consider myself a musician because that was so muscle memory and learn the sheet music and be in regiment. And then, uh, when I found the handpan, it took me years to actually get one. But once I, it was just clear that that was my instrument and I just love playing that. And then, uh, and then over time, improv singing, uh, like, like I said, we'll, we'll draw cards and sing to them. And that, that slowly, I'm not the, I'm not the, uh, I definitely won't be a professional singer, but the, the aspect of of consciousness through song and through the spoken word is obviously an art form that I love, too. Um, but musically, the handpan, a little bit of flute and kalemba and things like that, but mostly the
1: handpan. Well, you don't have to be Freddie Mercury. Uh, it's all good. Um, it sounds like <laughs> you're doing, I think, I, I'm, I'm not good with Spanish, and but I think there's a, a term for this in... Um, more you know peruvian kind of culture where people i don't think it's uh it's not dieta obviously i'm just facing on it because i've I've never done it but there's people that sing songs while you're tripping i guess and doing ceremonies and stuff um it sounds like you're kind of getting on that wave of things where um you're kind of creating you know sonic architecture for people to dwell on during their experiences and relate to and maybe you know hold on to if they're kind of in a weird space internally or whatever so that's pretty cool. So, uh, it sounds like you guys are like a troop of, uh, it's almost like if, you know, Fern Gully and Rocky Horror Picture Show had a baby or something. What's, <laughs> what's the, what's the story here? How'd you find these people? Um, it sounds like you're entrenched. Like what, what is the function? And it sounds like a living community. Um, a lot of people are, you know, the whole, I haven't been to Burning Man, but it seems like a lot of people are trying to find tribe and trying to find how to, um, create culture for themselves that isn't necessarily you know on itunes stores and stuff like that or you know wall street so what what's the deal with wonderland you keep saying i think it's called right yep
2: yeah one door land and uh it is it is a living uh we have two houses here in portland oregon and it's also kind of our family that extends a little bit beyond uh you know gemini brett is a wonderlandian for sure uh and other other of our amazing friends that go out into the world but uh the the main thing was uh this amazing woman, Bina Zing. She's no longer with us in form. She she left us a few years ago quite suddenly, but she was a bright creative rebel um and uh and she one of her art forms was collecting weird wild geniuses and uh so we're we're actually called one door land center genius studios the gods do and that that is this bringing together of these different bizarre artists and crystal people and uh musicians and mystics and seeing what would happen when you put them all into the stew together and it was a very wild uh uh experience over the years of different people living in the community and we and we have um, these amazing homes that are just covered in art and and uh and magic and uh and different you know collections of people over the years um but a, but a group of us that have really been together now for many years Uh, we started to bring that Wonderland experience out into other areas at festivals or at uh, yoga studios and things like that. Uh, Mostly, you know, driven by amazing musicians. So we have Theo Grace, who's in Theo Music, uh, as his electronic uh, producer name. Uh, Amelie Grace, uh, his amazing wife, who's also the co-creator of The Deck and uh, an astrologer in Gene Keys. Uh, aficionado she's amazing. You should have her on your show uh she's a genius architect um but much more into the stellar uh realms than i am and uh we have uh water eye uh Rebecca, who is an uh, another amazing musician, and she brought this concept of the sacred cipher of improving spoken word and and singing. As a way as a transformational process, and so she does it obviously as her profession as a musician, but it really became a a art form that we started to use, and even just like people who don't sing at all, just being asked to improv sing about why they're afraid about improv singing, you know and the and the power of getting into that flow state together has been really transformational, obviously for us individually and collectively and then and then in groups as well. But we used to host a lot of workshops. That's how we met Gemini Brett. We'd host workshops in our little zone and have a small local community uh, and then started to spread that art further. And, and now mostly just kind of delivering, you know, as the the world has to deliver a lot of things virtually now, um, just kind of continuing as a family, as, as beings and friends, but also as individual artists here to, to as Bina would say, make love to the mystery, so.
1: As Paris Hilton would say, that's hot. Um, I think that's exactly Team Rabbit Hole approved. I mean, that's kind of what this whole thing. I mean, this started off at some point I was kind of just doing acid and growing weed in Colorado and bored. Um, and I'm a Gemini. But so at some point, but I'm also a musician and I wasn't doing music at the same time. So I started making a hashtag, which then turned into a meme page, which is now turned into a podcast at Raphael's uh Request. Like, that wasn't my idea. Um, so, it's funny because, it, I mean, one of the things that we kind of talk about here a lot is finding the others in a very kind of Leary McKenna way. Um, and I don't know how you feel about like Jim Henson or Walt Disney or, you know, these kind of Imagineering kind of people. Um, but it seems that there's a, I don't know, it's tricky because on the one hand, I, I'm probably just not aware of it personally. um I, I just went to my first festival this past, uh, last September on Orcas Island called Imagine Festival. You might have heard of it because you're up there. I actually swung through Portland on the backside of it, but um there's a lot of kind of um, inspired, muse touched, uh, creatrix kind of magicians or whatever, and I'm and maybe I'm just not looking properly or whatever so i was like oh you know i'll i'll do my own thing and i'm not like hardcore on that front necessarily like i don't know how well i would even fit into burning man other than like this music is dope and it's like a salvador dolly painting like writ large or whatever but um it seems like you guys are creating tribes and algorithms that are both really tasty to me and i'm sure Raphael. i mean you guys sound like uh, each of the people you just described i'm like oh i'll have to get them on each of y'all and maybe have a group of y'all on at once or something uh, um do the one door land episode um it sounds like you guys are doing some serious alchemy that's not only affecting your your immediate experience personally and like you know collectively in a small group but um there's fruit to be picked and eaten from by others on the outside. Like you're kind of doing workshops and digital kind of correspondence, and that's what's fucking up. Uh, straight up, like I, I mean, people are kind of tired of MTV culture. I mean, there's value to Tim and Eric. Awesome show, great job, I guess in a weird way. But like, I think a lot of, uh, and that's more Comedy Central. But like a lot of these network kind of megalithic structures of culture that are telling you what's how to think, what to what to feel, whatever. It sounds like you guys are much more. Um, especially in talking to you, much more, um, thoughtful, but also like creative and and not like, you know, like McKenna's whole thing was like, create the culture, like create what you want, create your world. You don't have to imbibe the culture of others. That's a starting point, I guess, where there's linguistic, you know, alphabets and, you know, calendar systems or whatever. Um, but at some point it seems like you guys are very much engineering, uh, the world as you want to see it. It's almost like a ratchet Dungeons and Dragons game, but with like barred, types or whatever it sounds insane um what are the highlights of, i mean you don't have to get into too many details i've lived in switzerland i was living in an intentional community uh that was christian it was kind of the last i mean i'm still a christian technically but it's like i was starting to be like oh tarot and astrology and psychedelics and you know very black you know christians are like you're a witch and then you know pagans are like stop mentioning jesus is the alchemical you know ingredient or whatever so i kind of found myself in a weird place but the point is i've lived in intentional communities it's not always easy especially if they're porous um what are the pros and cons that you've seen over time um i mean obviously everything has a season so you can't hold on forever but you you see what i'm saying it's like a tree house or never never land i guess like how how has that whole process been for you
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I loved hearing your reflections and how inspiring just the thought is. I and mean, then it's like, yeah, and then you live in one, and <laughs> it, it is a, it is a trip. But I, I think the the power of living in community because I've I've lived in community now for like ten ten years, I think, and it has been profound because relationships are our most sacred and raucous. Uh, alchemical containers and everything comes up in relationship. And when you're in not a primary relationship as in lovership, but you're in this polyjamorous music and live in situation, there is this profound alchemy that does happen. And the the that is the pro and con. I, I've, I've grown to be a better person. I have grown to be a better musician. I've been inspired. I've been uh, when I'm when the sh- when the chips are down, I have someone that supports me. I have I f- feel that connection to purpose, like all those things are the pros of that same visceral pain of how do we live together? <laughs> like both literally, physically, maybe in a house, but also just like it, it has given me so much. I'm sorry, oh, about compassion about for humanity of how difficult it is to live, how difficult it is to live with each other. And so I think community is a microcosm to help us learn how to be well with each other and learn our differences and learn our strengths. And, um, you know, so some of the highlights for me for sure have been, in in that musical space with beings it's that that center mindset when you can dissolve like and and while i've journeyed plenty with medicines and psychedelics as well without any imbibing anything when you can reach into that collective heart space it is profoundly healing and it's vulnerable and i think vulnerability is a huge lesson of community of of when you don't have it's not as easy to just close your, all your doors and 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 be sovereign in a in what we usually think of sovereign and i think actually that's a good word to bring into community is sovereignty is like sovereign nations we are each these sovereign nations in our own bodies and we need to learn how to communicate well and trade well and be in good harmony with our neighbors and i think that you know, I don't know if it's where you live, but I know a lot of people that don't know necessarily their neighbors or just barely, you know, and I think it's important that we we invest time into these local, not just local communities, like, but but finding resonance, like you're saying, like at a festival, I mean, Imagine Festival is a cream of the crop shout out to all of my Imagine Festival folks because that's an amazing festival of really genuine beings that get that gather there and not all festivals have that energy but there's always the magic there because people realize they're not alone and they bring their magic to share in these weird gypsy moments of time and now I've I've as over the years I stopped going to as many festivals because I really wanted to keep creating living and and the, the you know the larger vision for a lot of people that kind of do the festival life for a while is well now where's the village how do we re-inhabit the village and the land and actually live and grow together and grow our food and and not just like a completely detached from society but actually thrive inside a what I w- what I will term or not I didn't term this this term but islands of coherence like in these times of chaos there will be these islands of coherence that emerge that can help to sustain and pers- and, and preserve wisdom, joy, and uh, and heart amidst the collapse that we're seeing around the world. You know, and it'll go in waves. It always does. I think there's an eternal chaos to the waves. But allowing ourselves to be vulnerable with others, to find ourselves attracted to our fractal family, our fractal tribe. And then the perseverance to be with whatever the karma throws up. And that may be as simple as like, why can no one else do the dishes? You know, it can be super mundane and annoying and it can be deeply challenging. Like I've loved you for seven years and we've grown together and we stand on different sides of this very important um, value system. How do we actually love through that and learn to communicate through that? I think that's the power of community and to show up and support one another, both as sovereign individuals, but then have a, have a vision, have an art, have a joy that's beyond, you know, like you said, there was a Christian intentional village. It's really powerful to have a vision that is more than just being roommates. A vision is, is a, is a lifeblood for a community. And that will probably change if it's, if it's true, it's probably gonna evolve. Like for Wonderland, it has evolved over the years and we're in a listening stage to what is it evolving to now. And there's a there's a thread of lineage inside that that we get to rest on knowing that, wow, look at what we have cultivated as individuals and as a family, as a community, and how we get to support each other. Even like you said, it may change and people have left this community like on a living situation but they're now out pollinating the world and i think we do need more pods the pod mind you know to like realize that you can be you can belong to another community of crazy aliens and magicians and also you're a
1: sovereign who's going to go through your changes over time the beauty of both and um yeah it sounds like you guys are doing some saucy stuff uh, it's funny because I think a lot of people, like you were saying, like they'll go to raves or concerts or festivals or whatever, and then they go back to the normal. So it's almost like a, a hat they put on, but it sounds like you guys have kind of tried to weave it into the fabric of your reality as a permanent structure of your being. Um, so is there a is there a kind of philosophy beyond uh, – did you guys organize it through Gene Keys? Or is, I mean it sounds like that's a big part of it. I don't know if that's structurally integrous to the design or something
2: yeah that was a really early on revelation that Gene Keys was a is a is a definitely one of our pillars you know it because because it provided a trilogue instead of getting stuck in a dialogue with your with your roommates or whatever you have this third wisdom that's not a guru you know the the Gene Keys isn't a guru, and I think that that's a a lot of people live with like that kind of like leader that they can call on and we were definitely experimenting with Leadership and family hierarchies and things like that. So, um, life is art is one of our one of our axioms because of that thing that you you just said of. We don't want to just go to the festival and then go back to normal reality. You know, mundane, the moon dance, bringing, bringing the magic back into the mundane and actually, you know, not just living with white walls, but like painting every wall and every color. And while our, my, our aesthetics may change over time, I think it started with the wildness of every color. But at the same time, it was I don't live in a boring environment. You know, the festival is here with me. But also, how do you make that sustainable? Because a festival or a or a ceremony or a concert or a rave, those are cathartic experiences. You build up for them, and then you have a cathartic experience, and then you have to go home to integrate. So inside a community, we had to learn, like, how do you actually ride the waves and make this sustainable, not just like money sustainable, but like energetically, how do you not just peak and valley and crash and burn. And I think that's the ever growing learning of a community that's much more like land based is you have to grow food. You have to grow in the cycles of time. And not that we grow all the food we eat at all. We're still in Portland. But but we do grow and we do like like contribute as much as we can into that growing home. And that's a that's a healthy, powerful thing to kind of give some energy to. But I think the other the other main axiom of Wonderland that brought us together for so long was this idea of using these technologies, the jinkies, the Kabbalah, the astrology, these these tools and technologies of, of mind, heart, spirit to find our genius and to bring that genius. We call them the chefs, right? It's the you bring your ingredient to the stew, but you're also a chef of the stew. You get to call on other people's ingredients. And that's the, where that center genius quality but there's no sin or genius if you don't know your genius, and so a part of finding your art and and practicing and living into your art your life as art is kind of crucial to then being a helpful community member because you can just pay your bills and 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 or work your job and that's that's fine that's a part of life and that's that's a necessary part of growing up and being responsible for your family but what is your genius that's the question Wonderland keeps asking me and like how can you in, in invite the genius the genie us into the everyday
1: it's funny because i'm looking to my left um on my nightstand there's a mirror and i forgot i did this it's got like a you know i've got a salt a lamp and some weird shit on my nightstand and i kept your card that says life is art and it's in my mirror because i felt i felt very strongly about that i mean i have a lot on the north of node midheaven venus and taurus so it's just like aesthetics is bay basically <laughs> that was like value and beauty or like what's up that's the point of it all. I think so. The life as art mantra is very resonant to me. It reminds me a little of um, that Robin Williams film, um, "What Dreams May Come." It sounds like you guys, instead of maybe being involved in a, an oil painting, um, that you're bringing in acoustic, um, you know, brain resonances and projections and art. It, it's funny because, um, yeah. It, <laughs> I mean, you know, whether it's like Jenny hasn't taken a bath and she smells, who's going to tell her or, oh, my God, there's so much going on. It feels like a fucking, you know, (laughs) you know, Grateful Dead tour threw up all over the place or whatever. Um, It can be problematic in these kind of uh, gypsy festival kind of vibes. But it sounds like you've got your head on your shoulders and you're pursuing it with uh, integrity, quite frankly. Like, it's not just about, you know, doing drugs and having fun. I'm sure you guys are hedonists to a point and you're more pagan or whatever, um, which is straight. In my, you know it's cool in my opinion um but it doesn't sound like you're being consumed by the uh, by eris about it it's not like just so much revelry that it's just like you know um a dionysian uh catastrophe or whatever um we've been we've been through that cycle but i will say
2: we ain't saints and we are also not <laughs> we haven't figured it out but i think that's the point of community and any relationship is it's it's an ongoing relationship And that, uh, and if you can ground that, and I'm so grateful we have grounded that for so many years and had the opportunities we've had so that we could learn and grow together. And I encourage, I've had three other communities, I've had many communities fail or or quote unquote fail, they'd at least dissolve. So I just encourage anyone that's listening and maybe inspired by community to remember that that is a part of learning and finding and that. That kind of fail. That's that's not actually failure. It's a learning in dissolving and trusting, finding the right balances, and it will keep changing. So I just I just encourage. We definitely don't have it figured out, but it's it's been an amazing ride, and uh, and good to balance the hedonism with some grounded. I'm a Capricorn too, so I'm a very practical. That that aspect of my my little goatfish hooves on the ground. Like I I also want us to to build something that's not so wild that it doesn't it burns down the forest so i encourage that balance in anything
1: it's dope yeah it sounds like you guys have a very buckminster fuller approved schematic but meets kind of you know zany kind of burning man frank zappa-esque stuffs. uh sounds like an interesting experiment i definitely want to have some of your participants uh, in that community on i'll hit you up for their names and maybe contact them at some point but uh, yeah, I guess we're kind of hitting the two hour mark. I don't want to keep you forever. I know your time is you know valuable, life is art, and I don't want to keep you too long. So I guess um, we'll put your links and stuff in the um, descriptions of this. but if there's any kind of last sentiments and or kind of plugs you want to do, feel free to do it now
2: yeah sure i'll just say the the fractal doors website is kind of my all-encompassing that's got the mandalas that i make with music that's been created it has some of our our jams and our music on it and obviously the connection into the Gene keys. and um yeah if any of this wisdom resonates the Gene keys is a profound portal so enjoy the portal go down the rabbit hole um and uh yeah my deck is on there and man, just such a pleasure to be with you both today and the magic, I, I really feel the magic you you have summoned with this rabbit hole experience, and it was a real pleasure and honor to get to be with you both.
1: Yeah, dude, you, Gemini Brett, uh, Richard Rudd, it seems, I mean, not to sound facetious or anything like that, but it's like, um, they're soul tribe, like you, you're on a wave and I can, gr- I can pick up what you're putting down, um, so I appreciate what you're up to, thanks for doing it like i really enjoyed the deck it, as my it's a, it's a ritual part of my daily ritual with my fiance so thanks for that um keep trucking on what you're up to uh thanks for giving us your time very fascinating story and guys they're out there find the fucking others they exist you're not you don't have to be alone it seems like you know you'll find where the people that out there that you'll find is, is as deeply as, as you've met yourself and it sounds like you guys um whether it's Rudd or you, the people you're living with have met themselves very deeply, so they're able to kind of resonate at a kind of different frequency. So props on that. I'm glad you had fun. You're Dolphin, my team, Rabbit Hole. And yeah, we'll have to get you guys back on here um, individually, collectively, whatever's clever. But yeah, keep doing your thing, bro, and we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you so much for coming on, Elijah. Thank you, Jim, as always. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As within, so without, balance is the key. everyone know yourself and enjoy yourselves. Thank you.